Booktober, and welcome to Booked, where two guys say about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This week um, is uh, the long, 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 long-awaited review of uh, Mark Z. Danielewski's 50-Year Sword. I say long review because uh, this book originally came out seven years ago, and uh, you know I missed, kind of missed the original release and didn't have 500 bucks to buy one after that, so been a long time coming absolutely first a little bit about mr danielewski mark z danielewski born march 5th 1966 in new york city uh, new york is an american author best known for his debut novel house of leaves danielewski's work is characterized by experimental choices and forms such as intricate and multi-layered narratives typographical variation and inconsistent page layouts otherwise known as visual writing or ergodic literature See, now when I do stuff like that, people just say I'm lazy and disorganized. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the situation, but I was talking to someone recently who was using, uh, you know, that they were doing something as artistic as their excuse for doing something a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, did you set out to do it that way? And they said no. And I said, well, then you were just being lazy. Exactly. So, so I think that the difference is intent and whether you can, you know, accurately pull it off. Now, a little <laughs> bit for longtime listeners of the show, House of Leaves has come up numerous times as a, as a favorite book of books, kind of unofficially since, you know, we read it years and years ago. But, um, you know, I said that that had, you know, the multi-layered narratives, the typographical variation, the, the, the screwy page layouts, um, and that's what really made that book genius, that coupled with the fact that it was just a terrific and pretty terrifying story. Yeah, that's the thing about Danielewski that I think is a little bit unique is that everybody's introduction to him is House of Leaves, which if you can get through it, you pretty much fall in love with it. And then you just hit a wall where you can't like, you can't get through uh, Only Revolutions. and And so it kind of falls apart for a lot of people after that. And that's how it was for me. I started only revolutions three or four times. I don't think I ever got more than 20 pages in, you know, long form poetry and it's kind of really muddled, really, really pretty. You know, I mean, the book is beautiful and, and it's, it's a very cool concept, but yeah, it just lost me and many, many other readers from my understanding. Yep. But tonight we're going to be talking about 50 year sword. So here is the synopsis for that book uh, that we pulled off of Amazon. In this story, set in East Texas, a local seamstress named Chintana finds herself responsible for five orphans who are not only captivated by a storyteller's tale of vengeance, but by the long black box he sets before them. As midnight approaches, the box is opened, a fateful dare is made, and the children, as well as Chintana, come face to face with the consequences of a malice retold and now foretold. So we're going to have to look at this book in several different ways, Um, one being the story itself, um, two being the kind of layout and and decisions that that he made and kind of how to like typeset the story, and then special digital editions. So Rob, what do you think we should really tackle first? Um, Let's get into some of the weirder stuff first. I think ending with the story Mm -hmm. would be kind of nice because that's going to be the, I think, probably the happiest part of it. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we have to talk about layout and then the different editions. Sure. Uh, for anybody who's not familiar with the way the book looks, uh, essentially, uh, what's the exact page count? It's something like 288 pages or mm-hmm. something like that. Correct. Only the left-hand side pages really have anything on them for the most part. Am I right about that? 
uh, with the exception of some illustrations. Yes. Yeah. So when you're flipping through the book, first of all, you know, half the pay, half the book is essentially blank for the most part. I'd say, you know, 40% of the book is blank because most of those right-hand side pages are just blank. The, the stuff that is on the left side, uh, it's not as if it's like a full, uh, fully justified page full of, of words. Each page is really kind of sparsely filled with, you know, almost like it looks like poetry. There's not a lot of words per line or anything like that. Ex- with the exception of some, you know, there is a little bit more uh, substance to them. For the most part, though, there's very few words per page. So in some places, um, as little as probably two or three, and then yeah. But either way, even the the pages that are you know for this book dense with with words um, are kind of written in a in a poetry form. So they're not your standard box paragraphs. Um, kind of staggered, you know, from one part to you know from like the left to the right hand side of the page, and kind of goes back to the left again. So very very strange. There are some, um, as we mentioned, um, actual pictures in in the book. Um, some of them done in a, in a cross stitch kind of way, indicating some different types of things throughout the course of the book. And then there's just some flat out, I'm assuming they're either photographs or digital creations of some sort of very abstract, but very colorful and very beautiful kind of eye catching pictures throughout as well. Mm-hmm. And in addition to the text being laid out in an interesting way. Much like House of Leaves, where certain words were all like the word house, anytime it appeared was in the color blue. Um, there is uh, quotation marks that appear throughout the text in five different colors. So they essentially are supposed to signify it looks like different. It, this is where it gets kind of confusing and, and muddled. The quotation marks in five different colors probably correspond with the five different orphans that are in the story. And you'll see a lot of sentences or, or like like a quotation will start and there'll be a couple letters and it's cut off. And then like, you know, the next quotation is in a different color. And, you know, so like um, there's that element to the layout, too, that you've got these quotation marks in different colors to contend with. From everything I've read and, and my take on it was a little different, though, it's um, the narrators really aren't named at all. And I don't I know that this has been performed but I don't know that in the story it really made any sense. Like, was there at any part what, okay, so before I say what I did or thought, tried to do, was there at any part that you found a reason for the different narrators throughout by based on the color? No, to be honest, uh, and, and for me, no. And for the most part, when reading the text, even though the quotation mark colors changed, I mean, it read as continuous thought, so I don't know if it was supposed to be we just heard it in different voices or, you know, that was kind of lost on me. Yeah, I went so far as to try to read the, um, the the text to see. So, for example, if the red narrator, if you read just the red, if it told you something different, which is something that wouldn't surprise me at all from Daniel Lewski. Um, and it didn't make any sense. So I tried that, you know, in a few different parts of the book. And sometimes, you know, the first sentence and the second sentence, you know, would, would make some sense, but then it, it would just stop there. So for for a little bit, I thought this might be a book you could read, you know, six times. Um, you know, you read it straight through for the story, then you can go back and read just the red parts and it gives you a different take. Mm-hmm. And then the brown parts and whatever. So that would have been very cool. Uh, I've seen something similar to that in kind of like long form poetry for um, Ellen Hopkins first book. And I can't remember the name of it, 
but there were pages that were staggered out that way. And when you read, I think it was called, it was called crank. Um, so you'd read these words off on the side, but then, so you'd have a bunch of text on the left and these words that fit in on the right-hand side of the page. But then when you read just the stuff on the right-hand side of the page, it gave you kind of a different feel or a different message right, right. as part of the story. And that's kind of what I expected to happen as I flipped open a page one and read the thing about the different narrators, but that did not come to pass. But it is something that is kind of emphasized, so not really exactly 100% sure. If someone else has read read that, you know, possibly they have some more insight on that that we might have missed, but um, you got two fairly regular readers who that was just kind of lost on. Yeah. So as far as that goes, that's the layout, and I think that's the same across all three, and I say three because there's three very specific different um, formats you can read this in. The paper novel. Um, a Android version and um, an iPad, an iOS version too. So um, Rob and I, of course, forewent the paper copy and went straight to the digital. <laughs> but the nice thing is, is that we've got two different takes on what happened here. So everything we've talked to up until now, it's you know our belief that um, that also extends. You know, we've talked amongst ourselves about the two digital editions, but we also believe that extends over to the paper edition. Yep. Yeah. As far as I've seen. That's essentially what the layout situation is going to be. And I was actually going to try and get my hands on a paper copy just to, to verify that. But uh, one person, actually, Caleb Ross, a while back when 50-Year Sword was, um, you know, when they were building up to the release, which just happened this uh, past week, um, when they were building up to it, he, Caleb, had uh, already had a copy of it, one of the original copies, the original 1,000 that were released in 2005 or whatever. And um, he did a video review of it where he was talking about the layout, and he essentially said what we said. So I believe, at least for the original version, I don't know what changed with the, the re-released version, uh, it's pretty much what, how we described it. All right, so now to talk specifically about the digital versions. <laughs> so um, $12.99 on um, Amazon, um, which you can only purchase Android-friendly versions of on. Um, it's very specific when you're purchasing it that it'll only work on the Kindle Fire. Um, which is an Amazon-based tablet, and on um, Kindle for Android. So it's very weird because, A, I've never seen another uh, a book that's only been available exclusively to certain devices, so you can't read this on your regular Kindle. But then secondly, that there wasn't you know, a version available for anybody else on Amazon, the world's largest bookstore. So that was the first thing that I noticed that was a little weird. And then the actual content within the, the ones between the Android version that Livius read and the iBook version that I read are starkly different from what I understand. So you want to kind of, we've already pretty much explained your experience, right, Livius? Yeah. Well, mine was basically think a PDF of the book. Now, I haven't actually physically seen the physical book, but I'm guessing is that this was exactly the pages made into a PDF. Now, mine, on the other hand, a little bit more, how would I say, like animated almost? Robust. Uh, so in addition to it being, you know, obviously full color and being laid out the way that the print one and the one that Livius read was, uh, I'm going to see if I can bring up kind of an example right now of the fact that it had audio included in it. And, oh, I should have bookmarked this one site, one part. Were you able to bookmark on yours? Because that's another drawback. I just read something on an ebook that I could not place a bookmark in. Yeah, I was able to bookmark. So um, I think I found the the part of the book that I'd like to have the listeners hear. This is kind of something that you that's typical throughout the book um, in my version. 
And corresponding with the piano music is essentially um, words on a page that are, or letters on a page that are just spinning and moving and everything. So uh, my my experience, obviously, way, way different than Livius's. is uh, there are full animations. So there's certain pages where, depending on what's being described, if a, a wind is blowing things as you're reading it, these kind of stitched, like Livius was saying, it looked like stitched kind of art, will grow and kind of move, and the, the letters will start moving around. Uh, there's certain parts that uh, I think it's, you know, there, there's a, a window that opens and, and the wind is blowing, and so I'll hear wind blowing. I'll hear a door opening in certain parts and stuff like that. So it's really a multimedia experience on the iPad for sure. Now you said words were moving. I had two questions. I just want to clarify for the audience. The words are actually moving on the page. They weren't just laid out in such a way that gave you the idea that they were moving or spinning, you know, so they weren't just listed out in a circle, for example, they were actually physically moving on your page. Yep. It was definitely a full on animation. So for example, I'm going to read from one page right here. I'm going to flip back to it. This might not be so perfect of a, of an experience, but, um, so there's a page that says, I found I had left the Valley of Salt and was now deepening into the forest of falling notes. You can hear a little bit of that noise. As I'm reading this, the words falling in notes, the letters start to slowly slide down the page. And the cool thing about it, the thing that I actually was impressed by, is the fact that the letters fall, it's not like one after another in a very patterned way. They fall randomly and at different speeds. So like one will pass the other as it's falling down the page. So it's very um, kind of real looking that like, you know, if like a bunch of stuff just fell off a shelf or something, mm-hmm. you know, this is all falling just kind of haphazardly. So it was kind of cool. Um, was it, was there a problem of you reading any of the parts with moving letters or anything, or was it done in such a way that it didn't hinder you from? For the most part it, uh, and I was thinking about this too, it, I, I had, now this is one of the things where my reading experience was kind of put on pause while I was kind of marveling at the mechanics of what was happening. But it seemed to me that for the most part they timed it in a way that it would happen at the point where you reached it for what the average speed of a reader would be. If you kind of slowed yourself down because like the 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 words were, you know, in a weird order and it threw you off a little bit, it would get ahead of you and I had to turn a page and turn back to start the animation over again. But at the beginning of the book, they do tell you, you know, you know, some pages will have these animations and, and music and stuff. If you turn the page and turn back, it resets it. So they did tell you that you could do that. So, yeah, a lot of that sounds um, very, very cool. I will say this, that just for the benefit of our listeners, um, I could have read this on an iOS device and chose not to so we could see what the differences were. And as you can see, very, very, very stark contrast between you know what what i was able to read and what rob was able to read yeah within 20 pages i thought to myself i'm really glad i got to read this this way because i i don't think it would be as good of an experience without it now one other issue before we 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 move on to the story so how much did you pay for your copy 12.99 yeah See, that bothered me, too, because either I felt like the experience you got seemed so much cooler that it either should have been priced higher or mine should have been priced lower. So I'm not saying you should have paid 25 bucks for that, but there should have been a price discrepancy between what you got based on the edition that you were purchasing. 
Right, because essentially what I had was kind of a premium experience. Oh, absolutely. And what so, I had was like a PDF. You had a PDF. Yeah. 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 So, so, yeah. But um, enough about that. I'm sure that that will come up in our individual wrap-ups. So <laughs> at least on my end it's going to. Um, let's move on to the story. <laughs> All right. So as Rob had mentioned, and I'm going to go back cause I did just finally tonight watch, um, Caleb's review of it. So that's the only exposure I had to the original book. Um, when you'd said, Caleb said his book, his copy was 96 pages and half the pages were blank. And then you get down to half the pages only have a few words on them. So basically, I mean, what would you say you read page wise was maybe 30 pages? Mm, yeah. Something like that of actual yeah. like story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If even that, I think, if you can collapse it all down into straight paragraphs, it could have been even less. So it's a very, very short story to read, even though you flip a ton of pages on, you know, the new copy, the new version, or on your e-device. Yeah, it, it and thinking about it overall, the content of the story feels much like a short story. It's not a book. It's it's definitely a a short story. And I think even in the I think in the information I pulled, I can't remember where. Uh, I think off of wikipedia they describe it as a novella but it's definitely a short story when it, i mean when you boil it down to its its essentials it's a short story so again kind of to rehash a little bit um the story takes place on a you know rainy stormy night um there's a, a party that these uh, people are all invited to and one of the things that's going to happen at the party is the um, elderly woman that's hosting it she's like 111 or something it's like ridiculously old has a storyteller come to, um, you know, to tell a story to these five orphan children that are also brought to the party from their orphanage. Now, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. The beginning, um, uh, the, the part that takes place before our storyteller gets going, mm-hmm. was it like significantly more confusing than the rest of the book for you? It was very, very difficult to read and very confusing. Yeah, I mean, and I was like, you know what, if that's the style of the book, I can forgive that because, you know, obviously he's going for a very specific thing here. But then once the storytelling part kicked in, I was like, hey, what the fuck did I just go through to get here and why was it even there? Yeah, and that's that's exactly it. And I'm glad that you – yeah, I, I read some more reviews on this before you know we start recording this tonight and people were like – Oh, once you get into the flow of it, it's really re- easy to understand. And I was concerned that that was – I didn't have a chance. I wanted to go back and reread the first part and see if that's what it was. And I'm glad you said that because the person who thought they got into the flow of it was just mistaken for there was a very marked difference in the storytelling form from previous yeah. – yeah, I had no idea what was going on up until that part to be really honest. Like a woman cut her hand. She didn't like this other woman. There was an old lady that had a party. Like I got all that. But sentence to sentence, I really couldn't follow it. And I was very concerned that that had something to do with a different narration. When we were talking about the five different colors. Right. But I don't – that's not it because no. that continued yeah. all the way through the book and it was just fine once the, the mysterious storyteller appears. Yeah. So, I mean, and this is a lot of latitude I'm granting to Daniel Lewski. If for some reason he wanted the lives of everybody who weren't the storyteller to seem much more complicated – that would have been, I mean, that worked <laughs> because once the storyteller took over, it was easy to read and it was definitely more interesting. Um, but that's going, that's giving him way more uh, credit than I, I should probably. I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I don't know what changed, but I don't think that's what <laughs> happened. So, um, 
So, yeah, basically, there's like this big muddled mess up until you get in the story. And that's where I think it really shines. So aside from kind of the the interesting and different layout and, you know, that I was reading this and there was some color and some graphics involved, um, the story actually kind of gets interesting as this this old man tells a story of his trying to acquire um, a weapon. Yeah, it kind of goes very, very fairy tale like, I think, as he's discussing his quest for for this weapon is rob mentioned um when he was reading that and trying to talk about the forest of falling notes and the salt mountain or whatever it is so he talks about these places that very obviously you know don't don't exist um at least in our world as we know it and uh it, it's really really good at that point yep yeah so once once it kicks him and then and here's my thought and i was having this thought literally as you were saying what you were now we know that uh, first of all, the book was originally released on Halloween of 2005, um, and it was performed live. I think every year on Halloween, so it's definitely supposed to be a creepy, ghosty kind of story. Um, it's supposed to be a story told to freak you out. Now, I can say, having not gone to that, I can say with probably 90% certainty that that first part of the book had nothing to do with the live performance. Um, I have to imagine that it started exactly when the storyteller started telling a story because for me, that would be an excellent way to start a performance, you know, like just get right in with the creepy and go through this story. Mm-hmm. My only concern with that is then you take a, a 20 page story as a live performance and now it's like a four and a half minute performance. Um, yeah. Yeah. I could see where the different narrators like it. Sometimes I thought like it felt like. One of two things, either a narrator was kind of correcting the other person, like finishing their sentence or correcting something they were saying, or almost like doo-wop girls that were kind of rehashing what the person just said, like like the the doo-wop girls that echo, you know, the the chorus in a song right behind the lead singer kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah. lending some level of kind of a quirky character to, you know. Yeah, and my thought was that maybe he had written this specifically to be performed. That, you know, that that was the whole the whole reason that he wrote it, you know, that it was a, let's say a screenplay, but what would you call it? Uh, just for a regular play. Like just perform, yeah, like a performance yeah. art kind of mm-hmm. piece. And then he thought like, hey, I could throw this together and, and splash some some paint on these pages and get, get a marker out. You know, my 12 pack of Sharpies <laughs> I got on sale, you know, and, and, and fix this up and turn it into something. Did you recently get a 12 pack of Sharpies on sale? Dude, are you kidding? Do you know how many Sharpies I have? Do you happen to run any Tumblr websites? I do not. I do not. I wish I did. <laughs> I wish I did. But I'm sorry to derail it. Okay. You just said 12 pack of Sharpies on oh, sale very much as if it was like pulling from personal experience. But yeah, so it almost seemed like he wrote this great thing where he was going to have these five distinctly different voices tell this story, which again, in performance mode would probably be really cool. It didn't pan out so well while telling this story. Yeah, on the written page just makes us do more work for not much of a payoff. So we don't want to talk too much about what happens, but suffice it to say that a very, very creepy story is told and then some stuff happens. So as far as the substance of the story that the storyteller tells about finding a weapon, and I just said the story that the storyteller tells, Mm -hmm. that's probably the coolest sentence I've ever said. I'm not going to, you know, it was excellent. I really enjoyed the storytellers. Like from when the storyteller kicked in to the end, I thought it was fantastic. I agree wholeheartedly. 
So there's and not I, much else to say on that. You are absolutely yeah. correct. Yep, exactly. It's just like I was just I was so worried at the beginning that I was going to be disappointed, but then the story, you know, kicked in and it was gripping. It was it pulled you into the story. Mm-hmm. So. Um, without saying much else about the story, I think we've pretty much covered the bases, right? So aside from, no, that's it. <laughs> okay. So here's, here's my question for you. Stylistically, um, how did this compare to house of leaves and, or, um, and I know you didn't read only revolutions, but I don't know if you, you know, you have it or you've looked at it, you know, closely or whatever. How would you say they compare this compared to those two books? Just stylistically story aside. Um, I have to give two answers. Uh, in just the plain print format, I'd say that it's a little bit of a tamer approach to um, the type of you know layout that uh, Daniel Lewski is known for. In the iPad super extra awesome version, again, a little bit tamer because one of the things that House of Leaves does and definitely only Revolutions does is it makes you work for it. Really, this didn't feel like it made me work for it. It just was uh, stylistically unique. So I didn't feel like I had to figure anything out or do any extra work. Like things weren't out of order. It was just, there was like a new, there was different elements added to it. So I think Tamer would be my answer. Um, I would agree. It, it, I don't know. To me, it felt so. He wrote House of Leaves, which was, you know, revolutionary, I think, in, in its style. And then, you know, he wrote this. I didn't get exposed to this at all. I mean, I'd read a little bit about it years ago and, you know, decided I couldn't afford a copy at, you know, 400 bucks. Um, and he did only Revolutions, which I thought was still very original because it was still different from House of Leaves. And with this one, I just felt like, I don't know, it felt like a copy of those two. Like he stole elements from them. Like he borrowed some of the stuff he liked the most, like the different colors and the right, unique yeah. and layout then, of the mm-hmm. text and stuff. Yeah. Well, right, because there are a few pages, and I'm assuming it's the same in your in your digital version where you had to go, um, you had to go uh, landscape versus portrait. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you know some of that, and I didn't have to read it with a mirror or, or whatever. But yeah, and then there was just two words per page, which also happened in House of Leaves. You know, so it just felt like a lot of borrowed stuff from his truly revolutionary stuff, even if he did write only revolutions after this, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, but there's only so far. I mean, like, it's not like he should or even intends to break new ground all the time. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I guess you run the risk when you start off with something so unique and uh, out of the ordinary that if you do something similar... Yeah, you're just going to be accused well, of copying yourself. Well, that's, yeah, and and I'm okay. Like, I would pick up a Daniel Lewski book based on my love for House of Leaves if it was just a straight novel written like every other novel with a bunch of paragraphs per page, you know, yeah. with no colors, no anything. But it's almost like, and I know this is going to be really oversimplifying it, but it's like if I wrote a book that you had to read completely in a mirror and my next book you had to read completely in a mirror and the next one, you see where I'm going? Like, yeah. It just becomes kind of standard fare. So I'm not saying he has to reinvent the wheel every time he, he does a book. But I almost think in some ways he should back off and just write a good story. I was thinking about that, too. I was thinking um, my thought was I'd love to read a short story of his that was just in a standard no, no frills kind of format to see how his just storytelling stands up. Yeah. And unfortunately, this book um, gave us uh, 
two thirds of us, two thirds of it gave us that idea. <laughs> but then it was mucked up with this this first, you know, third or quarter of the book or, or whatever you want to call it, because it was the wordier part, too. Right. Like that first part seemed a lot wordier and it got sparser as it went. I'll tell you what it it, it was like going from like reading. It's as, as if like William Shakespeare wrote the first like third of the book and then, you know, just some random other dude wrote the rest of it. You know, like it was very convoluted words that didn't really make sense. Words that were made up or like a combination of two words. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just way more difficult to understand for practically no payoff that I can that I at least got. Can I tell you what's funny about us? I think we've now praised a book that had made up words or words that were smashed <laughs> together. Then like like shot down a book that did it. Nurse like shooting down another one where we're not terribly consistent with our appreciation for made up words, I think. Yeah, but here's the thing about it. It has to work in the context of what you're reading. Like I was I and I don't hold a grudge against Daniel Liske for for making up or or combining words in this at all. It's just I, I think I was more using that as an example of how he overcomplicated that part. But I actually kind of enjoyed at least some of the words that he kind of mashed together. Yeah, and it just didn't make any sense in the course of the story the way we read it. Now, if um, and I didn't notice if it was a particular narrator. And when I say that, one of the five colors that always did that, that could very well be a, a character type, which was okay. too hard to follow on this. But if we were at a live performance and it was always the old lady with the big hat that said those words, right? it would have told you something about her. Either she's trying to sound smarter than she is, so she's misusing these words or mispronouncing. Here's one for typify. Right. So instead you know, of fortify or whatever. Right. So if you heard that from the same person and it was a certain type of person, it gave them a, a personality. I don't think there's any way to read this to start to discern, not to mention the fact that there were there was like the the colors were too close together. Like it sometimes even when I was trying to pick out different ones, like too the similar, yellow, you mean? yeah, exactly. I was yeah. trying to like the orange and the yellow and the brown, like all look too close together. Yeah. So I could see why he wouldn't use blue. Yeah, he's but. got the he's got that locked into another story. Right. So kind of that's that's where I'm at. Um, do you have any quotes? No. Oh, no, you don't. No. I have a couple. I did play some music from the book though, so I think that should count. That's well, it, if you would have hummed the music, that would have been. No. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> All right. I'm going to read uh I'm going to read a couple of quotes here. So um, th- this is where I found out not only that I couldn't book, I couldn't highlight, I couldn't bookmark. So screenshot from a screenshot here. And the nice thing is because there's only 40 words on this page, it didn't take me a long time to find which passage I wanted. And only in the years to come would I realize that he had taken my heart stayed just as black and my badness spread more easily. But the memory and reason behind such blackness and badness had vanished completely, which is my story. There is no more. Yeah. So, I kind of like that. I thought I could do that without giving too much away. And then there is uh, this was actually on and I don't feel bad about this because I thought this might be a little spoilery. Um, this was in uh, the back in Lake Hard when I got to the end. So one sword will kill a season. One will kill a country. One I'm making now will even kill an idea, which I thought was just a great concept, even if it wasn't you know spectacularly worded. That. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, that's really uh, that's really I've got a couple more, but uh, yeah, I'll do this one more. 
but all, as far as I could tell, had the same type of blade, milky white, glossy and cold, like a fog creeping low across a morning before a funeral. Which I thought was really great imagery. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I mean, there was definitely some very pretty um, and well-worded parts of the book, for sure. I just didn't quote it because, like, the whole style of it was so engrossing that I... Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't occur to me to stop and capture some of them. Well, but, not to mention that the the part I just read, you probably had a video of an actual funeral with Bob. <laughs> and... Can I play something for you, Livius? And we might have to take this out. Sure. You want to hear what happens when they open the box? I'd love to. Nice. Very nice. And then what you see is just two fully black pages with what looks like fog moving around. So, like, you're looking into a box that you can't see anything in, just like a shifting fog. See, and that's, and then see, now there's a problem though, because I had those pages and I thought they were black pages. Yeah. So, there's a, there's a disconnect there. mm -hmm. So, you actually got something out of those pages, and I thought just like there are plenty of blank pages. Why not just have black pages, too? I didn't actually get that that was the inside of the box. That's the inside of the box. So there you go. Uh, You ready to do your wrap-up? This is probably going to be the more complicated uh, wrap-up that I've done lately because there's so many things to consider uh, when giving it a rating. Uh, Well, really, I'm just going to represent my experience because I think that's the best best way to do it because... that's what I that's what I experienced. So I'm going to talk about what it's like to read this on the iPad version, which was pretty excellent. Um, the type of story this is, I think, in a in a book format, it needed the help of of the music that you could hear, the sound effects you could hear, and the animations of stuff moving around on the page. Uh, that first. I want to say one third of the book. I'm not sure exactly how long it is before the storyteller comes in and starts doing his thing was just really muddled in a way that I don't think really can be accounted for in any really good way. So that was definitely a turnoff for me. Uh, It felt like it was just tacked on to the story later or for some reason, you know, he does introduce some elements in that first part of the story that come back later. um, But nothing that was so crucial to the overall experience that it needed to be in there. So that part I kind of have a grudge against. Um, the rest of the book, especially listen, or, ha, see, listening, reading it on the iPad, listening to the music, seeing things move around, watching the way. Now, I mean, the first time text moved on the page, I'm not going to say it blew my mind, but it was very exciting to see because you don't have books that do that. And I love books. I love reading. I love the experience of of what people do with the words. So seeing them actually do something with the words in a physical way was excellent for me. So overall, the first part of the book, kind of blah, didn't really care for. The rest of it, just, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. The story was great. Um, The animations, the music. I'm looking right now still at the open box with the, the fog shifting around. It just continues to shift, which is really cool. Um, so the experience in the iPad, I'm going to say, is a four-star experience. Okay. Um, I I pretty much have to kind of do the same thing that Rob did and base it just on my experience of how I read this. So I didn't get all those exciting extras that Rob did. 
Um, what I got was a 288-page PDF that half the pages were blank. Um, didn't strike me as the kind of book that you'd make notes on. Like I, I tried, I tried really hard for reasons to 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 find to to give him some credit for some of the things that happened. So, um, especially if you're going to do it in a PDF form, get rid of the blank pages. If you don't need them, they don't make any sense. No, you can't, you couldn't even read this book pages side by side. Like you can a normal book. It told you you had to read it portrait style and that was it. So I never saw two pages side by side. I kind of see one as I was sliding it over and it was passing into the next page. No good reason for it. I'm a little offended that the price, as I mentioned earlier, is the same for a real basic PDF as it is for, um, for the experience that the uh, the iOS users get, and my reason is this: at twelve ninety nine, it it falls in the kind of like mid to high price for eBooks. Like I wasn't upset about the twelve ninety nine. This what I was upset about is that someone got a much much richer experience um, on a different device for the same price. So I I don't know, you know I don't I don't know how you do this as a book. I mean this is obviously something that's very different. I don't think that there's been a book that there are you know kind of two very distinctly different different editions that you would get at the same time that make the experience much different. I know that the first House of Leaves was a full color print and then they came out with one where only the words were in blue. So, I mean, there's some differences there, but I don't think it affected your actual experience of the story. Um, the story itself, I, I'm 100% with Rob on this. The first third was horrible. When you got to the actual storytelling, that was really, really good stuff and, and, and very creepy. Um, there's an especially creepy part that I, again, I'm not going to mention just in case you do want to run out and get this book and read it. Um, definitely do it on an iPad though. Um, it just seemed like Daniel Lewski found a way to get 13 bucks for a short story and probably 20 bucks, I would imagine, for for uh, for a hardcover. For the short stories that we blow through 30 of them when we do a, a review of, a, of an anthology. So I was a little disappointed um, overall. Um, that being said, even in the PDF copy, it wasn't nice to see some kind of different things happening, some non-status quo stuff. So, uh, that's the only thing that saved it from a one star for me. So it's a, it's going to be two star review. So that really demonstrates exactly how crucial it is to choose the right medium to experience this book in. Um, Caleb Ross in his video review didn't have a lot of good stuff to say about it. seems like Livius is going in the same direction, but damn if the iPad experience wasn't fantastic for me. And and I'm, like I said, in a way for our listeners' sake, I'm really glad that, that I didn't choose to read it on an iOS device because my review probably would have sounded a lot like yours. Yeah, and then, and then someone with a you know a Kindle Fire would have been like, hey, I didn't get that experience at all. Well, exactly. So at least we were able to represent two of the three mediums um, pretty fairly. I do understand Manarchy Magazine is going to have a review on the paper version. So we'll see what, what that brings and what that experience is like. So, yep. so if you want to do it, if you're a huge Daniel Lewski fan, you know, I mean, it's probably a nice book to have on your shelf along with Only Revolutions and House of Leaves. Um, if you're going to do it digitally, borrow someone's iPad or iPhone or iPod or something if you don't have one and do it that way because there's really no no reason to to buy that on Android. And don't, don't make the mistake of buying it and not reading the warnings because if you're trying to read this on a regular old, you know, gray screen Kindle, it won't even load. That's right. Be careful, kids. Shop hey, I know wisely. that we norm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said shop wisely. I know we normally don't talk a lot about the songs that we're playing. I do want to mention this one especially um, because if you didn't listen, I think Rob's going to let this one play out and hopefully we don't get sued. But um, Matt Skiba of the band Alkaline Trio had a side project called Matt Skiba and the Secrets. 
He's a big Mark Danieluski fan. And uh, the song that you heard part of at the top of the show and that you hopefully hear the rest of at the bottom of the show um, is inspired very heavily by House of Leaves. So, I learned recently from listening to another podcast, and I don't know how legally true this is, but if you uh, encourage your listeners to go buy what you're playing, there's less of a likelihood that you're going to be held legally responsible. So Livius would do it anyway, but we definitely encourage you to... Uh, uh, <laughs> to go out and buy this song. Yep. Matt Skiba and the secrets. You want to get the album Babylon. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this. It's probably been the band we've had on most. Cause every time I get a chance to slide a trio song in for the intro, I'm right there. And I hate choosing music so much that I don't put up any kind of struggle. This is true. That's why we heard a uh, Gangnam style a couple weeks ago. <laughs> oh God. I forgot we did that. And then I went through and I was just like checking out something with recent episodes and I, and it started playing and I was like, my God, that happened. Yeah. I rep- I repressed that memory already. <laughs> so, any rate, hey, you know this technically was a horror book, right? Yeah. So there you go. I got a second horror book out of October. Um, I got to tell you, you know what the the leading the leading request was of the like two or three that we got the John Horner book, the This Dark Earth. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, the reason and, and I want to read this Dark Earth because um, a Bob Passarella, friend of the show, spoke very highly of it. Um, John Horner Jacobs, when he was on the on the show, was just fantastic. Um, but God damn it, Justin Cronin's new book came out, The Twelve, um, which I don't know if some of you know. I know you didn't read it, but um, it's the long awaited sequel to The Passage. So that's kind of like vampire zombie kind of guys so that's my off podcast reading right now so um i know that's probably going to hit at near the top of the bestseller list so i'll have a mini rating maybe review for you guys next episode you know who else had big good things to say about uh, this dark earth who's that our guest sg brown when we SG had him brown. on for an interview he uh he plugged it in a big way you are correct so yeah it's on my list but see, here's the whole thing. The more stuff I put on my list, the less likely we are to record a podcast. Yeah. And then yeah. it's just going to be me and a bunch of Alkaline Trio songs, and nobody wants that. <laughs> Not even Alkaline Trio. Not even, yeah, especially Alkaline Trio. <laughs> it's like, why won't he shut up, and why are they keep playing our songs? <laughs> That's awesome. And I'll just be like, I don't know, like crying into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> who wants that really nobody, oh, nobody wants i do that. i do i want it bad <laughs> this is book news i'm skip papersley this week in book news amazon rolls out its new amazon's bestsellers rank a system of ranking every single available book from one to two million two hundred and twenty two thousand four hundred and thirty eight this ranking system was also divided into subgenres like Most Popular Author, which is updated hourly. We reached out to author James Patterson to get his reaction on his current third place. He said, I didn't get to third place by not working hard. My next book will be about Alex Cross, the teenage vampire BDSM expert in a post-apocalyptic world where he has to fight for food. In other news, Bill O'Reilly is a fuckface. Now the bestsellers in fiction recap. John Sanford's last name is two different words involving rivers. His book, Mad River, is number five. Kenny Kenfall Follett's Winter of the World is getting the cold shoulder and is at number four. Still clinging tenaciously to the third spot is Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn, a must-have for any trick-or-treat bag. 
Number two is NYPD Red by James Patterson and Marshall Karp. And it really is a number two. Finally, J.K. Rowling's latest book about the wacky adventures of teens, The Casual Vacancy, is number one. This has been Book News. I'm Skip Papersley, signing off. So speaking of which, um, uh, books uh, coming out, we've got a lot of books to mention this week. So I just mentioned Justin Cronin's The Twelve because, you know, he needs me to help him promote his bestseller. <laughs> All right. So the one of the ones that I'm excited about and um, uh, I hope I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I hope I hope I hope I get some time soon is uh, 100 Years of Vicissitude by Andre Bergen. We talked about his book, Tobacco Stained Mountain Goat. We reviewed it uh, not so long ago. And this is uh, his new novel that just came out, which in some way may or may not be some sort of have a prequel uh, element to it. But um, yeah, it looks interesting. I've read the synopsis for it uh, and and we've talked about the cover before. It looks really interesting. It's out on Perfect Edge Books, a newer imprint as well. So I'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot of stuff from Perfect Edge coming up soon, really soon. Another book that's now out um, is Bradley Sands' TV Snorted My Brain. So anybody who was listening a little over a year ago heard us just wax eloquent on how much we loved um, Soccer Moms and Pro Wrestler Dads from Warmed and Bound. That is chapter one of TV Snorted My Brain. Um, Rob, you started a little bit of it, didn't you? Yeah, I uh, last night I just dug in. I got about forty pages into it, and um, it definitely reads like a Bradley Sands book. I, I'd read his other stuff. Uh, sorry, I ruined your orgy, and uh, Rico Slade will fucking kill you. So I was definitely primed for a, a Bradley Sands book, and this does not disappoint. It's. Uh, I, I also started it um, earlier this week before I got into Fifty Year Sword and and reading the Justin Cronin book, and um, it's goddamn hilarious. Yeah. So that's out uh, right now. Uh, if you go to Amazon, you can pick it up for ten bucks in the print edition or three dollars as an ebook. I think two ninety nine. So, um, from what I'm telling so far, it seems like it's definitely worth worth the money. That cover looks absolutely insane. Did you notice what the cover looked like? Uh, yeah, it looks like yeah, it's kind of co- almost comic book e mm-hmm. with like different panels and stuff. Yeah, I saw um, one of our uh, one of our friends on Facebook posted a picture today that he had just received the book, and I was glad to see that the print edition had the same cover as the ebook. Looked very very cool. Yeah. All right, and another one that just came out at the end of September, so it's a couple of weeks ago, is uh, Both Barrels, Volume One, a uh, an anthology published by Shotgun Honey, uh, with a ton of people in it, and I'm just going to run through some of the names that are familiar to us. You can see Ray Banks in there. Uh, Frank Bill, Nigel Bird, who we mentioned when we were doing the uh, Out of Bullets, Throw the Gun, Pablo Destere, uh thing. He was one of the authors in there. Matthew C. Funk, who is in absolutely everything ever. Uh, Nick Corpon. Uh, let's see if we got a Daniel O'Shea, who uh, we've probably mentioned a couple times on the show. Keith Rawson is a name that's kind of come up on our radar. And a bunch of others. Looks like there's about 20 or so authors total. Um Kent Gowron, who's one of the guys that runs it or is the person who runs Shotgun Honey, we met with Dan O'Shea at the premiere of, or I guess not premiere, but the, uh, what do you call that? Screening. 
the the screening for the fuckload of scotch tape. So uh, a couple of people that we got to meet. Their anthology is out now. Kindle for four ninety five, paperback for fifteen bucks. It's a lot of reading we're gonna have to do. Yeah. So head over to Shotgun Honey's website. We'll definitely have a link, either that or we'll link it directly to Amazon so you can pick up a copy of that. A bunch of really good names in there. Uh, Nick Corpine, you can't go wrong with. Frank Bill writes some really gritty crime stuff. Matt Funk, yeah, it's all a bunch of really good people. Um, now that Rob and I are done plugging everybody else, I am going to uh, plug some stuff that Rob did, actually. So um, Rob has been hard, hard at work uh, redoing our website. That's true. Hard at work. It looks absolutely fantastic. Um, I want you guys to know that not only did I not do any of that, but Rob asked for input, and I was like, I don't know. I think the website's all right. That was was my (laughs) input. So definitely if you're listening to this through your iTunes um, subscription, you know, head over and take a look. It's it's super, super pretty. And, yes, it's still a work in progress Um, just because Rob can't stop tinkering with things. I think it's perfectly fine the way it is. I love it. One thing I want to point out, and this was kind of the driving factor for for updating the website. Not only did ours look a little bit kind of stale because we'd had it for so long, uh, but really from the front page you could access two episodes. Now I just did a count. Uh, On the front page alone, you're going to get about 40 different episodes that you can just click on right from the front page. So it makes it easier for you to have access to episodes we've done, uh, broken down either by what's most recent, uh, whether it's an interlude, an interview, a review, uh, whether we mentioned James Patterson in it, (laughs) uh, or in just some random posts. So, uh, that was the big thing for me was just making it so that you don't have to know how to navigate the site to get to the episodes. The episodes are just going to be there for you, uh, for the most part, right on the front page. Yeah. My only issue with it is that, um, my picture needs to be bigger. That's all. Wait, where's your what? In the about us page. I want my picture to be like half the page. Really? Yeah. No. No, not really. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, really? He's in there like going, God, what 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 size is half the page? Is that eighteen hundred by yeah, so any rate, um, it looks fantastic. Um, Bud, you just mentioned and I just saw him on there. To get away from him for a little second, I saw an interview with James Patterson last night. You really? Yeah. I was watching for no good reason whatsoever the Jimmy Kimmel show, which was a rerun from, I don't know, just a few weeks ago because they were talking about Argo coming out. So has that been like two weeks? Um, They had, no, you know what? I take that back. It wasn't that. It was after Jimmy Kimmel. I apparently couldn't sleep very well last night. Um, It was the one of these Chicago morning shows, but they rerun it like in the middle of the night. And they were talking to the about the the new movie the alex cross movie that came out today yesterday whenever recently oh yeah with uh that dude yeah that's why i stopped i couldn't think of his name the medea guy yeah tyler perry Mm -hmm. can i tell you that um they just kept cutting patterson off he kept wanting to talk about stuff and and the lady (laughs) just kept cutting him off so she very obviously only wanted to talk to tyler perry so, yeah, but he did a horrible interview. Exactly what I expected. He was in an interview where somebody else did all the work. Wow. Yeah. So Gosh. there you go. Patterson yeah. watched. You just watched Patterson. I did. Craziness. Wow. He looks rough, too. You'd think with all he, that money, he'd look a little better. And you know what, too? Um, I saw in uh, there's a commercial for his book, NYPD Red. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm going to do my best, having only seen it once, like two weeks ago, to reenact that commercial right now. Are you ready for it? Yes. We all know about NYPD Blue, but my book is NYPD Red. <laughs> That's pretty yeah, much the best I, I could do. I can totally see that being, being spot on. So <laughs> It's something, and I think he said the word sexy somewhere in there, too. Oh, well, of course, because that's the word you want to hear coming out of that guy's mouth. At any rate, there's a whole section of episodes on which we've done Patterson Watches, which we haven't done for a while, because that book really took it out of me, man. That goddamn <sighs> animal virus book thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've had my fill of dog orgies for 2012. Yeah. So any rate. <laughs> but yeah, so definitely sorry to get off track. Go back to the website, see if Rob enlarges my picture or not. Um, it not. looks really, really, it looks really cool. Yeah, I'm trying out some stuff, and uh, if anybody wants something on the website that they haven't seen, um, feel free to drop us a note somewhere. There's a contact form now, nicely, very prominently on the front page, so you don't have to go to a different page to send us a quick email. You can just fill out the contact form right there, so that's kind of nice. As long as you know how to do math. You have to, to do math to make sure that it they, they're not sending, like a robot's not sending us stuff. Um, or, or a nonfiction author. Or a nonfiction author. So if, as long as you can work out what 2 plus 2 is, you can send us a, a, an email. Um, one thing I'm thinking of, Livius, and I don't know if I mentioned this to you yet, but um, I was thinking of having just a, like a playlist on the, on the sidebar of just the booked news um, segments. On their own, just one after another. You can just run through and play one after another. Sounds very cool. I got the idea because, you know, I have Facebook, too. Oh, I did post it on Facebook earlier today, <laughs> didn't I? All right. I was, I was thinking that's what you were looking to do. So. Oh, this Damn is it. just like Saddam Hussein watching CNN to know where the bombs are coming from. If you're on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Hey, we're almost to 300 likes on Facebook. So if you're listening to us and somehow haven't liked our Facebook page... Go ahead and like it. Get us up over 300. It's going to make us feel uh, better about ourselves. And um, if you have already liked it, why not share it with everybody in the world? Yeah. So, you know, when your little brother leaves his computer open, just go to facebook.com slash book podcast and just click the like button. What's yeah. it going to hurt? So, uh, you know, the store that I work at, if anybody leaves their Facebook open on uh, <laughs> on the computers, I'm just going to go in and like like my page from their Facebook. <laughs> you know what? You should. I think you absolutely should. So. They get they might learn something. The only other newsworthy. I don't even know if it's newsworthy kind of thing. The thing that we have going on is uh, at the end of. Well, I guess it's technically at the beginning of next month. Um, we're going to be going on another road trip. That's right. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're going back to our road trip roots, taking a trip down uh, past downtown Indiana all the way to Corridan, Indiana, mm -hmm. for Frank Bill is throwing. Now, this is a little bit kind of opposite because the last time we went down there, someone was throwing an event for Frank Bill. But Frank Bill is throwing an event for the Noir at the Bar 2 anthology. How cool is that? So, yeah, the, the, the we're going to take the road most traveled for <laughs> us. Go to, go to Corridan. Um, and uh, hang out with some of the folks that are appearing in Noir at the Bar, too. So I know uh, Jedediah Ayers is going to be there. David James Keaton. Those are the two guys we see the most, even though we live nowhere near them. We see them more than we see Richard Thomas, who lives down the street. Um, so uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. You know who else we might see while we're down there? 
Is this who I think you're going to say? Yes, absolutely. All right. I'm not going to steal your thunder. You can go ahead and say it. Aaron Moran. Now, for those of you who are, you know, under the age of 40, uh, may not know who that is. She played Joni on, on Happy Days and was recently seen slumming it right in Corydon there. She was staying in the hotel we stayed at last time. How yeah. cool is that? Yeah, that makes us like nearly famous. Uh, in some kind of way, I think. If but, she's down there, we're getting her on the podcast. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, so I read an article recently um, that just randomly, it hit my radar because the word Corridan. I was like, oh, Corridan. So I wanted to see what it was. And um, apparently she's she's not living it, living out her years in style. She's uh, a little low in money, living in Corridan. She, I think she was staying, living at the uh, hotel, Holiday Inn Express Hotel down there and had been cited at, and this was like the best part because my entire experience of Corden, our entire experience of Corden, Indiana, was staying at the Holiday Inn Express and going to a place called Beef O'Brady's, which was where the Frank Bill release party was. Now, in the article, they mentioned Corden, Indiana. She was staying at the Holiday Inn Express and she was seen at Beef O'Brady's. And I was like, okay, I know everything I need to know about that town because that's all anybody's ever mentioned. <laughs> hey, if it's good enough for Joni. Good enough for us. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, we might bump into a semi-celebrity. Yes. I'm very, I'm more excited about that than the reading, to be really honest. I mean, <laughs> you know, those guys are all great, but Joni from Happy Days, dude. Yeah. Come on. So That's right. We're very excited to, to get down there. Maybe we'll have some content for you folks from that reading. I know it's still a couple weeks off, but um, we've kind of firmed up our plans here recently, and very, very excited to make our way down there. That's right. So uh, keep an eye out for us talking more about that. Is there anything else we can possibly think of to talk about tonight? Um, I've got lots of stuff. None of it that anybody cares about. Okay. No more Gangnam style, right? Have you have you mellowed out on that? Or are you still pretty crazy for it? Did I tell you that it's now in my car forever? My new stereo, you can load songs into the radio. It's there, man. I just increased the value of my car by like 20% by doing that. Yeah, I drive a Korean car. Well, yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, um, yeah so. E, uh, e, yeah. Um, <laughs> was that some K-pop? I if, just heard uh, that. E, uh, e. He, <laughs> it might have been an accent. I was gonna say if a Korean person buys your car, or Psy, isn't that his name? Psy, P S Y Psy. Yep. Let's see. Let's call that's, it. That's all I had. That's all I had to talk about. <laughs> um, Did we mention Sean Ferguson this episode? Now we have. Okay, done. All right, good. Covered. What are we? Uh, what are we reading next? We don't know. We don't All even right. know if we're going to read something next. So Rob and I have been tossing around some ideas. We're open to suggestion um, on what to do with our next episode. Like I said, I'm 200 plus pages into the 12, which is 660 pages. So eh, I'm not going to be crushed. If we don't read a book for the next episode, but you never know. Yeah, uh, the this dark earth was thrown around a little bit. Um, Pretty much. And the weird thing is every time we're like, we want a really scary book and someone's like, you can read all these collections of stories. And we're like, that's not what we're talking about. So the the suggestions haven't been as helpful as we'd hoped. Yeah. But thanks for trying, everyone. Yeah. Shame on you, all of you. Cool. Except for Bob Pastorella. It's all horror. It's all horror. Until next time, I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. 